You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, what were we talking about before the uh, show started? <laughs> Hold on a minute, hold on a second. <coughs> I might do that a lot during this show. I've... Uh, the before the after the show discussion was essentially the idea that if you raise children or children are raised now or ever without TV and internet access, that you think that makes them like less of a person in the world. Correct. And I disagree, even though I don't think it's bad. I just think if you choose that, then you're... There are lots of other ways to learn in this life, and so that's I, I agree with this. Only of that other, discussion went on for like. An I agree hour. <laughs> with there's lots of other ways to learn, but I also agree they, they would be less pe- less of a person if they didn't ever listen to music or. I didn't say music. That was my point. Pop culture. I was talking about everything. Yeah, but I wasn't. I said some people don't have television, which means they don't have cable, and they don't give their children access. Some to people don't have television or radio or sci-fi or. Hi-fi. Yeah, just... whatever you listen to music. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> iPods, iPhones, whatever it is. Right? Right? So they wouldn't hear music either. They're going to hear some music. Well, no maybe, that, maybe that they get a piano. Closed off. Yeah, exactly. So what's wrong with sitting around with the piano when your mom's Nothing, sitting but itself? they don't. But those kind of parents aren't going to wa- want those kids to listen to P. Diddy. Oh, and I'm less of a person because I've never heard P. Diddy. No. That was my point. I'm not less of a person because I haven't watched CNN my whole life or anything else. Even though I'm an advocate I'm not of saying it's good to listen to P. Diddy. I'm saying that those parents, if they don't want you watching the news, they don't want you listening to P. Diddy either. I think that's reasonable. Correct. As long as you're still teaching your children other qualities and ideas in life. I say expose them to everything. Just Oh, um, but not everything. Let me finish my point. <laughs> expose them to everything, but limit stuff to their ages. Like, don't let them see um, Cannibal Holocaust when they're ten. Don't let them see... I think that's the idea, though, of people who don't have their children watching TV or on the internet until they're 18, and then they think they're mature enough, and then they can choose what they want. And I can't... I couldn't... That'd be insane. Like, a kid who's never seen TV or the internet, and when he's 18, he can't. That'd be a good movie. This real naive kid good. who's never seen anything. See, you keep saying naive. I don't think that they're going to be naive, either. I think you learn about They'd be life. fairly naive. No, they're naive about the things they you They don't even know... They've never seen a TV. On. That doesn't mean they don't know things about the world, though. There are libraries in this world that have been around for like a thousand years. Not just, it's not just... The TV is not just about the world. It's, it's about all kinds of things. It's ideas, yeah. Yeah. And books are full be of lot, ideas. Yeah, but there'll be a lot of ideas they weren't introduced to if they didn't watch TV. Mm-hmm. So it'll blow the mind when they're 18 and they turn the TV on and they're like, oh, <laughs> what the hell? Right, and by the time you're 18, hopefully you've formed some way of coping with things and absorbing. So that was the that was a con- and as you can hear, it could go on for another five. All right, hours. so it's Sunday, October the sixth. Si- me off. So, Sunday, October the sixteenth, twenty eleven. I was getting to you. You were saying that this could go on forever, and I was chopping it off, so it didn't go off. That wasn't an invitation. All right, so it's Sunday, October the sixteenth, two thousand and eleven. This is after the show number one hundred and ninety four. The movie we're looking at this week is The Tree of Life. Uh, it's a Blu-ray disc, a 2011 movie released on Blu-ray on the 11th of this month, which would be Tuesday this week. So it is available now. 
It's um, rated PG-13. The tagline for the movie, it doesn't have one. Excellent. It doesn't really need one. Um, it's from the, our friends at Fox. And a bit of trivia here for this movie, because it doesn't have a tagline. Uh, the writer, Terence Malick, shot 370 miles of film during the um, making of this. It's all, it was all, none of it digitally, all on real film, 370 miles. Give us miles. some context. What's a normal, how long is a normal film then? Um, about a quarter of that. Right. So it's a lot of film. Right, but when you say 370 miles, a normal movie might be 250 miles. No, it said in the, in the, it's about a quarter of that, a normal movie. Okay. And um, this movie is two hours and 20 minutes. But he his original cut that he, he made was six hours. So there is a six-hour version of this movie in existence. It's just not the one he chose to put out as the uh, cut. I wonder why they didn't put it like on the, on the Blu-ray. It's not the one he chose. This is the one... This is his definitive one. Right. Like, when it he, when he got edited down. I think he said something about the six-hour cut. If he did put the six-hour cut, it wouldn't be the director's cut. This is the director's right. cut. So... It might be a wuss movie. Doesn't mean it's longer, it's better, does it? No, no. So, The Tree of Life. Um, Synopsis, please. It's very difficult. (laughs) Um, It's less difficult than you think. Essentially, in my perspective, and I'll say that because that's what this movie's about. You perceive it the way you perceive it. It's not about, it's not dished up to you. Blah, blah, blah. This is what it is. So, to me, it is this. Everything affects everything. The universe began and everything that happened since then affects you and I sitting here at this microphone right now. And when you raise a child, everything you do and everything you say and everything you put in their mind and in front of them is going to change the world. Because as that human grows up, what you've done feathers out. Like ripples in a pond, if you want to be cliche. But to me, that's it. Everything is affected by everything else, truly. And, um, you know, it's a family at the heart of it. But it's much more than that. In the 50s, and, you know, there's the man... It's a very man-centric point of view of how men... Because I don't identify with it. So I didn't identify with it fully. Other than I had to put in my mind of, you know, the things that you absorb as you're, when you're a child and how that carries through life and stuff. But it's very man-centric in that a lot of the, the ideas are about suppression of emotion, bursts of anger, teaching someone to be tough and rough in this world. Because if, you, if, you, if you're not, then the world's going to gobble you up. And, like, being good is, is not profitable and all that kind of stuff that I don't identify with. I did identify with all that. Um, anyway, it's a... You did, actually? I did, yeah. It's a very different type of movie. Um, it's not... I was saying to you, I, I believe this movie, and I absolutely love this movie, to, to tell you the truth, but I believe this movie is, like, super challenging for the audience um, because it asks a lot of you rather than it just presenting a straightforward thing. It's more ideas and artistry through camera work and special effects in this case occasionally Um, so it does ask a lot of the viewer but if you 
let it do its thing. <laughs> and I do believe it's like a work of art. I, I, I do believe you could freeze frame any anything in this movie and put it in a frame and look at it on the wall. I'm not sure about every single thing. I think the camera work is... There's a lot of nice views, yeah. Not just the... I'm talking about, like, focus, everything about it. The... uses the... You know that really, really awesome time of day where everything Uh looks perfect? Yes, the golden... Yes. The golden hour or whatever they call it. It's like he used that all the time. When the sun is over there or over there. And it's coming at everything from the side and just gives you that that morning feeling. So it makes it look like a work... You know, I'll tell you another movie that reminds me of visually. Um, And it's another Brad Pitt movie. It's the coward... Oh, yeah. Robert Ford. I also had that. (laughs) What was that? the name of that movie Coward Robert Ford it's a big long thing remember it's the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford cowardly yeah coward um but that also it has this soft focus it has this shafts of light going into the camera and that's what this has all the time and it's a Terrence Malick um trademark but this is it's ideas rather than a narrative and it does it does break in. It does end up as a narrative in the middle of the movie, but then it goes out into these ideas every so often, and a lot of, not a lot of dialogue at all. In fact, there, there's a period in the middle of the movie where it goes dialoguey, but before that, it's not. It's music. It's just ideas. My favorite part of the whole movie is when the baby is born, and literally from being a baby in the mother's womb in this instance to just I've never seen this on film before but it and it's in a brief period it lasts what 10 minutes this particular scene and it's literally how a baby sees the world and how a baby is taught to be what it is becomes and it's like these small things like the father touching the baby's foot you know giving some love and the mother kissing the baby's head to them putting the baby in the garden and crawling around and understanding that oh wow that hurts and yeah I felt everything like it was like you feel that it's also like the time in your life when you are sheltered from the truth or you don't see it yet because at one point you yeah. get some little voiceover moments of of him the boy as he's thinking things like when he says I want that back yeah I love I want that. that back too to I be want the feel that again and that's what that first part of a person's life when and then you think kind of for our discussion like why can't we all just have that forever but then at some point through your life unfortunately for some people it's when they're little they get they see the world for what it is assholes and treat like shit other people like us you start approaching the teen years and all of a sudden the veil lifts and you see your dad is not and in this movie, there's, yeah. there's a distinct point in this narrative here in the middle where you see innocence being lost uh-huh. um, because of adults and also because of the way children interact with each other and, you know, you get a brother and another brother and a loss and... Anger and, yeah. You know, bullying each other and you just start to see it slowly. On. I thought it was magnificent. Yeah, absolutely. That part just... I was just from riveted. From the baby being born to... You know, the father being an asshole with the kids <laughs> as they were teenage, well, well you know, 10 yeah. year old boys or whatever. 
Um, that was all superb, I thought. Because I really... It took me back to my childhood. Like, I felt... I don't know what he was doing. I mean, he, the camera was low down when with, with the baby, and you almost felt like you were a baby in the world, and, like, everything's big, and... And then it slowly grew up. It was it was crazy. I I was like moved by that part. Yeah. Um, and then even we then are exposed to the truth of what is behind every adult's lying face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, truly, it and it's like wow. You know, you really think, and then that is the same as like the whole of everything. You know, we as a human race. A thousand years ago, we had a different perception of the world, and then as time goes on, we're learning more, and it feels more severe, and everything feels harsher, and it feels like an open wound all the time when you're thinking about the world, and, you know, that's kind of the the essence of this, and what I love about it mostly is you're getting the the view of the creation of the universe, hints at how things have evolved, sort of. And then you get this one, and okay, normally when we're watching a movie or reading a book or we're in our own lives, we feel like that story, our story, is huge. Mm -hmm. We're so important. It's so important that we're sitting here doing this podcast because so many people will listen to it. Oh, we're so important. And yet, in this movie, it gives you a view that this one little family... Even though the ripples of the pond happen, we're just nothing. Actually, you know I, see, I, mean? I see it as two ways. You said it? even when we stopped to pee, this movie makes you feel really insignificant. Because we got <laughs> we got into the big. Uh, there's a scene in the movie, uh, you know, a twenty minute sequence almost that is the, the creation of the Earth. <laughs> it's the, it literally, yeah, it it, it suddenly becomes like a planet Earth style, um, yeah, documentary almost like a nature documentary, but without any of that, just yeah, just this amazing reminder. Uh, to me, it was a reminder. Yeah, but also, what is what is what I gathered from this movie, and I know you can gather a lot of things from this movie, and I think lots of people take it different ways. Um, but also, like you just said, feeling insignificant because the world's much huger than you are. But B, you are the center of your own world. As in, when she's when the mother says, "If you don't love, your life will just pass by," you know, flash past. As quick as an eye blink or whatever. Yeah. So you are in control of your experience, which is a brief experience compared to. But it it touches everything as yeah. well. So you're so, nothing, and yet you're everything. At the so same that's what I got. Yeah, both things. Yeah. You're nothing but everything. Um, and. What do you think about that quote? By the way, if in this you must love in this life, or, or there's nothing. I think else. it's true. Aww. You're so sweet. I think I don't. Thinking back, like I love this movie while I was watching it, but thinking back, it's like it's an. I don't. I'm, I'm trying to think in the last five, ten years, have I experienced anything like this on film? I don't think I have, because it's not your usual film. And I know a lot of people are going to say, "Well, that was boring. I watched that, or I turned it off Absolutely. after twenty minutes." And I can see your point of view. Because this is not a movie for everybody. But you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a movie for everybody. I get that. I like to think I'm a bit above everybody else. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. I'm even slightly above you, so I understand what you're saying. I'm just joking about that. Anyway, but what, <laughs> what I'm saying is, you Fast and the Furious crowd, this is not their movie. 
Maybe they should watch this. Although you, you are a Fast and the Furious guy. You just said it. You love those movies. Yeah, I'm a bit of everything kind of guy. But these kind of... You're well rounded. I was going to say, I, I was just about to say, these kind of movies, i.e. The Tree of Life. I don't think the, there is these kind of movies because this is a unique movie. It is unique, and yet, if you want to try to fit it into something, I think Magnolia had a similar effect on you. Magnolia had a life-changing effect on me. Wow. I mean, it literally is like a... What did it change about you? Just the way I view film. Okay. The way I view people. I never thought about some of the ideas in it, ever. um, Because it's about, about emotions. Like damaged people. Yeah. Why people do what they do because it of made me fun. think about people differently. And the other thing, it made me think about how a film can be made. Because Magnolia is also a. It's not 100%. Um, it would lose some people the mm-hmm. way it's presented. But yeah, I do see it on a level of that. It's a different kind of film, though. You know, at the end of this film, The Tree of Life, I felt lots of things. A, I felt that whole thing were really insignificant. B, there was occasions in the movie... I'm just... Experience overall. There was occasions in the movie where I felt slightly bored. There was occasions where I felt slightly elated. There were occasions where I felt really moved by some some of the things where... I think Brad Pitt's performance, particularly, is really good. Absolutely. And the kid is the star of the show, truly, and is... Actually, there's no... The mother... Uh, we'll go in, we'll go into the cast later, but the mother also reminded mm-hmm. me of my mother. Oh, she did. I know. I thought about that so many times. She had red hair and she was beautiful and... Yeah. And my mother died young, s- while I was young, so... Yeah. I only have these young... I only have, like, literally, like, I'm very small remembering her, so... And she was very... Yeah. She, I thought... So about- I had that. Um... Like I say, when I said I felt bored, there were there were some times where I was like, okay, where are we going? But I think that was the point. I think that life, which is this is tell, it's the tree of life. Everything I think he was trying. It's massive. This movie is trying to give you everything that a life is, and pushes it just long enough. Even a person who's who's captivated as I was, and I was, and the moments when you're like, uh, I, you feel the 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 ebb and the flow or whatever of it as it's happening and in those moments when it starts to just dip you're like but I'm but I'm with you don't don't uh, go down don't do this to me like don't don't drop me off because I'm, I'm with you don't I don't want to lose I think that, my yeah, yeah the parts I don't wanna, where I was feeling like I don't want to stop being hypnotized yeah. right now I'm not ready and then it comes back to you because again. he has this like style where almost like your, I like to see it as like I'm like a spirit floating with these people. Like sometimes, I'm, yeah, I'm almost like above them, just looking at it. Uh, I'm not one of them. I'm just something else that's looking at it. And the camera's got this um, handheld kind of <laughs> swoopiness to it. Because there's it a swoops. dude with this big thing on him, is running around. Yeah, around really. With the camera, and, and it in. swoops and it goes out of focus and it turns around and 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 a lot. You might say, "Oh wow, it's a horrible shaky cam thing," but no, no it's no. like a smooth, beautiful it's like kind of trying camera. to emulate you 
navigating through life. If I'm walking down the hall and I bend to pick up a sock and then I stand up and I go in the kitchen and I reach for a cup, things, your view does change. And not that it's trying to do that specifically, but there's not a, as we've described in the past, set the camera up and let the action do its thing. It's part, it's like in there with it. Yeah. But one thing when she was like, yeah. Oh my now, god. Now, I, I don't like, know oh, what that was. If it, and I don't want to know, I don't think. It's a feeling, I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. I'd, uh, there are like a, there I, are things in the movie that are... Because um, she's a character that like we get the long to know. Man, like the big man in the attic. And there's some symbolism. I, that assuming, I don't know, yeah. That I don't know what it is, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe it's from the Bible. Maybe it's from something. Because yes, also, another thing. I did feel preached to on occasion. Yes, I did But too. I feel preached to in life. On occasion. Yes. You know? I felt so. it was a bit heavy-handed, but then but then it was almost like intentionally pushing it to the point of view of him shaking you up a little bit and going, really? Do you really believe what you believe? Or are you just going with it? You just believe it because someone else told you these words, but are you really living it? And like, it actually starts with a phrase from the Bible uh-huh. from Job. Um, Job. Yeah, I it's gone job. Yeah. <laughs> but um it starts with that and it quest- it immediately throws a question into the thing. So But it's not it's not telling you anything. No. It is a thing of because it's your internal self your whole life, whether you like to admit it or not, we all have it. You could be the most empty asshole in the world who thinks of nothing more than just plowing your way through life and getting every enjoyment and screw everybody else, but there's always there's still gonna be something inside of you. Right? As a child or in your quietest moments or when you're trying to go to sleep or when you're driving in your car, there are things that you think about and that's what this, it almost, it pull, it, it's almost a little creepy because the sensation of some of those things really got me like, wow. Sometimes when I'm laying in bed and I'm, everything's rushing through my mind and I get in that semi-dream state almost right before I go to sleep, that's it. Yeah, that's what... This combination of that music and the camera and the quietness and the... And then I'm like, oh, that's it. So he captured some stuff that... Or between he, cinematographer, editor, I think it's a collaborative Which are a team that they have worked throughout the years on all of Terrence Malick's films. But um, it's... Yeah, it's unlike... I can't... Would you class it as entertainment? No, not at all. I said to you after I had finished that it's not when we're talking about like how some movies like horrible bosses it's like a, <laughs> we watch it and it's fun and then the week after I you know I forget half of it like it's just by the end of the year I probably can't tell you the plot it's gone like this is more of a it's a experience I think if you give it you've you got to give yourself to it then you'll get some stuff back I got a lot of stuff from it um, it felt felt really personal to me. Like it felt personal to me, but I felt I think Terence Malick. I think it is probably partially his life, or because it feels too personal. Like uh, there's times where I'm thinking, you know, the way he's portraying this father mm-hmm. and the way the father acts. Mm-hmm. You have to have experienced it's very that specific. Fully. Yeah. You have to have lived at that time period, which he did. And even I think when Brad Pitt's doing it, I'm like, I mean, felt like he was channeling something he has. And I know he's an actor and everything, but it was a very... I've seen 
my dad. People who say Brad Pitt's my brother not a good actor. Oh, um, I don't get it, first off, because this would prove... I mean, there's, lots, of, this, there's yeah. lots of movies that will prove it, and there's lots of movies that won't prove it, but this movie, this is a serious, meaty acting role. And like I say, there's not, tons of, there's not tons of dialogue. In most of the acting is just movements, looks, glances. The whole relationship... We'll Sean Penn in a minute. As I say, the whole relationship <laughs> between Brad Pitt and his wife, they barely exchange words, but you get the entire thing. Oh, so completely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they barely exchange words in the movie. I mean, obviously they've spoke to each other. But there's but a lot of... A, yeah, it's just... And her... <laughs> Looking, oh my god, he's here again. Yeah, and her exchange, her, inter- the kids out of way. her interaction with the kids is more of a reflection of their relationship at times. A big reflection is like he goes away. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's and awesome. The, and there's just sudden relief, and everybody's light hearted until he comes back, and then it all changes you. Yeah. Which I actually do completely understand. Me too. Because of my childhood. Me too. So there's lots of. That's what I say. That it felt like it was a movie made for me, and then it felt like it was a movie made for you, and then... It's funny, isn't it? If everybody has to suffer at the hand of some damaged adults, then why doesn't everybody just get their shit together? And this isn't... <laughs> like, and what I really liked about this is it isn't like Magnolia, where people have all these regrets and etc. It doesn't really line. cover Brad Pitt having any regrets on this. It's just literally like, you act this way, and this is what your kids become, and... You either realize it or you don't. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, you're not 100% sure whether he does realize it. It's just how he is, like, you know. And I mean. I don't totally agree with the concept of, you know, love everyone and everything and forgive everything. It's a very bible overlook. Thing. Well, it's beyond bible It's, the Bible has retribution and you, you, you be accountable for your actions that's the part so where it gets extremes. really preachy, you know? Well, to me, that's not even preachy. That's beyond. That's like just this sort of ethereal, everyone has to take their path. And if they do something horrible to you, then you just have to turn around and forgive and you know, absorb it and move on. I disagree with that. So that one thing, I had a hard time with the but, concept of it. let me just put this to you. It's life. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And another, another feeling in life is you're not going to agree with something, Absolutely. Right? So... That's what I'm saying. Like, there's just. But when you, if you find that you're disagreeing with, uh, the tips the balance of more than you're. I mean, because going of with m- it, it could really grate on your nerves. I think. Yeah, because of my uh, religious stance, um, which I've, I don't know if I've ever mentioned on the mm-hmm. podcast. I'm like atheist. Um, I, I'm not atheist. I'm agnostic. Mm-hmm. Actually, agnostic. Um, but I could say agnostic atheist because I'm more on the side of <laughs> science rather than. Well, agnostic is. I'll yeah, believe it no. when you show me. Yeah, exactly. So if, I don't say that it doesn't exist. Like I said to you, if Jesus appears on the news tomorrow night and he does the breaking of the bread and all that and it's not proved to be a magician, then I'll, I'll believe in it. Okay, right? if Jesus showed up in this room right now, magically, or Jesus-y, and did some shit, then I, don't show it to me on the news. I want to see. I want it I want <laughs> right here and now. So, you know. But yeah, but because of my beliefs, you know, and I'm not... And this goes against a lot of my beliefs, obviously. This movie is quite grounded in heaven. uh, Or is it? Or is it, yeah. Yeah, because it can also just be... Yeah. We've made it all up. Yeah. Because we have to cope. 
Yeah, and we a lot can't of grasp the bigness of the universe, and so we have to find some th- way to process everything. And this is the rules we've made for ourselves. And Terrence Malick uses this really interesting. Um, like I say, the movie has dialogue, but not a lot. I mean, there are periods of time where it's just music and, and images, and you might think, "Well, that sounds boring," but it's not because it's so compelling. The images, it's. But he uses these various voiceover techniques and I'm not talking like in the beginning there was I'm talking like a voiceover that might be inside somebody's mind or just a thought somebody's having but it's expressed in a voiceover it's an awesome I've never thought of it to be honest as a way of telling the story I mean it just occurred to me it could also be from God's point of view and that he's hearing thoughts and he's hearing things he she whatever and that he's focused on this family and yet he's there at the beginning of time and these are the things he's absorbing because you do hear her talking to god on occasion asking why do why is this happening why because are you listening to me and did you see that and why are you why did you take him and you know that kind of thing so um so yeah that's where it's like all this you hear people's minds working and it's interesting because i i you know that has been in movies before but more overtly than this. This is more subtle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's um, it's a visual. It's I felt spent at the end of it. Did you get a little bit, yeah. Yeah, like it's emotionally heavy. It's a heavy movie. Like um, especially like because I'd say the last twenty minutes or so, I won't give it away. But where they're in mm-hmm. a particular place, that made you know I didn't expect. I didn't see that part coming, and when it did come, I was it was. Happens over... It's not quick. And it starts to sink in, you know. I think that's why a six-hour version of this movie could be interesting. I, I don't know. Um, well, did you ask, after what did you think was sinking in? Because I have a probably different... We don't want to say I didn't want to spoil that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. After we're done, you can tell me. Right. But uh, the, the length... The long... You know, making it longer, the scene... It makes you think more, and the, you get you seem to get more out of it if it goes on longer. That's what I was getting at, because this ends in specific something happening, um, not the way I think of things. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking of that way also. So, but is know. it that? Because I don't think I agree with you. I don't think my perception was the same at all. No, and I don't think there is a. Well, right. Obviously, if you speak to Malik, he probably has a very. It, pro- it is something to him, right? But I don't think it. Need- you know, it's one of those movies. I think you. I think anybody you would give the- some patience to it because you do need to have some patience. It's not a regular movie. It's almost like. Well, how would you put it? It's an art house movie. Art. It's art. Yeah, it's art. It's, it's visual c- art. I, mean, I think Nolan said it. There's cinema, kind of. What it is, is a visual telling of ideas and a story or a story of humankind or whatever it is. And that's what cinema is. It is what it is. It cannot exist. The story, well, what did he, how did he put it? Like um, other movies, you can separate what you're looking at from what's going on kind of. It's just dished up to you. But yep. in this one, it's completely intertwined. You cannot separate. You can't go five minutes of this movie turning away and looking away and still understand what's going on. It is visual because that's how those things get into you. 
Every for every inch of the entire screen, you need to Absolve. have it in your frame of what's it called? Your frame of vision or whatever, so that you're it's coming Field at you. Field of view, yes. And I do guess. I mean, I don't know much about like the snottiness of cinema. <laughs> that sounds kind of snotty to me. What he said was like it's pure cinema, but I do think that's what it is. Yeah, like, every single shot is like composed and laboured over. You can tell. It's not ad-libbing. It's very precise. It's very... Then again. I think he knows what he wants from it. Yeah. Without being... I'm not being funny here. But the same could be said visually, even though it's focused on one person's performance, watching Bridesmaids, and I'm not being funny, but listen, go with me here, that if you took your eyes off of her doing the the best parts of that movie it would also be lost on you the the actual the what you loved about that movie i can't believe you can i'm not the comparing them <laughs> i'm saying visually there is no separation there either because she and her body and her face and her everything is what he said was you can't separate some movies you can you don't have to look at you get it Fast Five. You probably don't need to stare at every every frame, right? You could you probably, you probably wouldn't have to look at bridesmaids. You probably no, that doesn't just completely. The, just you, what they're saying. No, absolutely not. You have to look at Kristen Wiig the whole time. She's awesome. Absolutely. I'm not comparing them. I'm saying that idea. Yeah. This. Yeah. I think Malik would be interested in my my analysis. <laughs> but the other analysis is you could look at this movie when he says you have to look at it to get all... You could also look at it for five minutes and not know what was happening sometimes. Like, there are periods of why is this occurring? Right, but you, like you said, you have to have the patience to hang in there. Just keep Yeah, because, you know, when the, the Big Bang or whatever occurs, I was like... I didn't know what was going on. No, but I did. Uh, literally two to three minutes in, I was like... Okay, I get why this is here. Um, and then once it, you do mm-hmm. understand why it, it's the perfect place for that to be, because you're just reflecting on something and then whew, zoom this out. That's what some of us do in life. Just also, is, this is the first Blu-ray I've ever had, and I, I'm, I think this might be a director's message, but it tells you to turn it up loud at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's, there's a lot of quiet passages in this movie, and I just, and then when it does, the music wells up and everything. It, the, the soundtrack is awesome. It's all classical music, pre-existing classical music a lot of the time too, um, that you've heard before. Um, but yeah, do crank it up loud to really soak it in. An amazing Blu-ray looking transfer. I mean, this has to be, it has to look good. Yeah, yeah. I think it would look good on a tiny little screen. It's it's just one of the best looking films I've seen, you know. Um, it's a, there's, I don't think we've spoiled anything. I don't think so. I don't know. No, I don't think we have, because without mentioning the ending, um, we haven't mentioned the other character in this movie, played by um, Sean Penn. Well, he's the boy. Well, yeah, but Grown I'm up. talking about old when mm-hmm. he's older. Sean Penn plays the older version of the boy in the movie, and there is some flash-forward sequences. So it's, it's almost like three different movies because there's this creation of the world there's this family in the 50s and there's also this man in the 2000s mm. kind of 
Could be the 90s. This is my biggest issue with the story, because the story element, story part, is that I understand, I think I understand this ripple in the pond thing. This is how this boy was raised. These are events that happened in his life. Now he's an adult and... What? We're not seeing anything. We don't see any effects other than him being pensive and thoughtful and looking out windows and then going through a bit of a journey as you kind of put it together, an emotional journey. And that's... We're not seeing... All we see is... No, well, he's just processing things emotionally. Cause and effect also, though, I think. But what's the effect is what I'm saying. The effect is how the child... Well, he's not a child anymore. How he is pensive and... Is because of... Yeah, but... His father. We're not seeing anything. Well, we're not seeing it... We don't see his life or how it's affected him. No, and I'm glad we didn't. Because, yes, you could have shown him in some sequence where he's being violent to his wife or something... Or but not. he looks successful, obviously. They live in a very amazing place, and he's got this amazing bit workplace that he's in. But yeah, he looks completely troubled, right? He's looking out the window, like you say. He's, there's something going on where he's not happy. That's that, what I gathered from him. Mm-hmm. And then the story... You know, he could... Malik could have been more obvious and give us a scene of this guy being just completely active. I mean... I get the element of, you know, the father had goals for himself and then the son sort of realizes it instead and that is obvious and I don't want obvious, I'm just saying, because we're also minus, you do get a lot out of him, just in very brief moments and whatnot, but comparing it to, if I dare, the... All the sensations you get from the rest of it. And then, well, I guess that's part of it too, then. It's pretty bleak. Not bleak. Um, What's the word? Sterile. And yet it's fantastic. Doesn't seem... Fantastic. Sean Penn's life. While it's... Sterile. Yeah. His house. His office. They look like Ikea showrooms. Yeah. But, um... Expensive Ikea showrooms. And his wife. I'm assuming it's his wife. Um, it doesn't look very happy his life, does it? Even though it's very successful. Emotionally, it doesn't look right. I guess that's what I'm supposed to be focused on then. I mean, and that does come across, because mm-hmm. there's... It's pretty severe. Yeah. That's another one of those sort of pre... It's sort of like trying not to be obvious, but it's being so overtly overt. <laughs> like, it's really in your face. Yeah. It's Without very... the context of any more, any more conversations or... St- things going on so I guess yeah maybe I need to just think over that part then again because I felt that those were my those were my dips I was like yeah but I think if you think about it there's stuff there to think because I'm totally into cause and effect and that's what I think I was yeah you know but it was subtle what was going on there but I think there was no specifics I mean they didn't give you they just give you there's some emotion going on here and he seems a detached kind of guy um, which is yeah. maybe, you know, if he would have, I don't know, because I mean, we don't see, he has a wife, I'm assuming that's his wife, but we don't see any relationship, just her walking about and him sitting looking out the window. That's yeah. pretty much it, right? Yeah. 
Which is a detached thing, right? He does look out a lot of windows. He does. <laughs> I'm not being rude. If I'm you need saying. a guy to look out of a window and you move it, Sean Penn's the one. No, we're not <laughs> trying to be snotty or belittling. No. What he, his performance is what You know it what's is. hilarious? Is he looking out of the window on the cover? Yeah, he, but he is. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Lord of the Rings is walking, mm. we're walking, we're walking, and this is... Not that this movie's funny in any no, way. No, absolutely not. I don't even think it's a humorous moment, to be honest. Maybe, with the kids, maybe. A little bit. Yeah, the ba- <laughs> the close-ups of the baby make you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, he films the it's baby. It's not a the... lot of chuckles. I know when you... <laughs> it is, that's why it's exhausting, maybe, because it is. it doesn't let up. I did feel spent at the end of it. Like, I had really gone on a ride. And that doesn't happen often with movies. Magnolia, I say, that always does it. Takes me on a... So if Magnolia changed your life, did this change your life? I... I have to think about it. Huh. But I felt something from it. Next week, we report back and say it was moved into... I felt something from it, emotionally. And um, not on the obvious, oh my God, that was sad yeah. kind of level. Just on the more, like, I haven't seen this kind of emotion portrayed in a film with very little dialogue to no long scenes of people back and forth in where <laughs> I can... You know, like Oscar type movies that we've seen Revolutionary Road things mm-hmm. like that where the emotion comes from a fiery thing between two people well here there's it's eh. it's more of like I say just floating on the back of something seeing moments that don't require dialogue that I get tons from like I mean just from Revolutionary Road that was the other movie I was trying to think of as one of my recommendations thank you yeah I, a, I a movie that is very emotional but it's there's no quiet moments. It's all dialogue. The emotion mm. comes from dialogue. This, the emotion, does not come from dialogue. It comes from looks and... Emotions. Glasses. Yeah. Which I, I was trying to think of. Have I seen another film that portrays it so well? And I, I have not. Not with barely nothing to work with. Like, it, a glance of this. A, yeah. A look through a window. Looking <laughs> through a window, a Brad Pitt sat at, on a, ta- at a table and something just went down. And just... A couple of movements from him tells me about a thousand things about his state of mind at that particular moment. It's hard to do that, I think. Yeah. Well. Well, to get it to, I don't know, the director, the to impact, get that yeah. to come across, you know? So, um... Yeah, I can see. Yeah, it's a really tricky one, but I think it's goddamn amazing, to be honest. I think you could revisit it. Did you say it. it's goddamn amazing? Amazing. Goddamn amazing? I think, you, I think you could revisit it. It's very... Th- I'm thinking about it now, like, I'm thinking about it. You know? Did also, because of the thing with memories of your mother, did that also add something that, to that's it that I, I wouldn't re- have? That's why I say I related to all that middle bit. Right. I mean, I, I didn't relate so much to a father telling, you know, a son, trying to toughen a son up, because I didn't go through that, but... I understand that because that's sure. most people go through that. I mean, a lot of men go through yeah. that. I mean, and it was the story of young boys, not a girl. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I did get I got a lot from all that. I mean, if I was back as a baby at one point, do you know what I mean? It's funny because I have two friends who each have three sons, and I can imagine they've been taught a lot of that crap as well. Would they like this movie? No. Well. 
One of the six, I think, might, yeah. He's He likes more thoughtful things, but they're all teenagers or 20-something now, but... Yeah, and this is definitely a thoughtful movie. So, uh, moving on to the cast here, we've got Brad Pitt as Mr. O'Brien. Like I said, I, I, there's another movie which I think Brad Pitt did a, a fantastic performance in, and this was going to be my other recommendation, and that was Babel. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one might be my... To me, it might be his greatest performance. I'm, I was trying to think of others, what he's done. But this, I don't think there's anything as emotional or actively as this. <laughs> I mean, not Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> and not Troy. <laughs> I mean, okay. this is a Babel. This is as serious as it gets, and this is as, like a dream acting job, I think. And, you know... Malik also pulled this off with Brad Pitt. Like, the, like he, you might think, oh, well, maybe he would have used some unknown actors or whatever, like he did with the boys, you know, in here to, to detach those big star names away. Because Sean Penn and Brad Pitt, the two biggest act, two of the biggest actors on the planet. But he worked it with, with, the two, with them too, didn't he? I didn't... I wasn't thinking of Brad Pitt. I did a lot of times, but not because... It was just because... It, I'd I, lost that for... Uh, Sean Penn, a different matter, but... There were moments when he was totally lost in it, so that yeah. was impressive. Um, so Sean Penn plays Jack. And the thing... We were talking about Sean Penn's performance earlier. It is, you know, centrifugal to the plot and everything. I mean, it's very important. But he doesn't do a lot. I mean, he does stuff... <laughs> He doesn't, he does is, he speak? He is the product. Does he speak at all? Yeah, on the phone. He's on the phone and talks Very to somebody in his office. Right? He is the product of the boy that we see growing up. And so, because they do a good job of connecting the type of boy they chose and him, himself. The boy is phenomenal. I mean, really, in my mind. So you completely buy that that was Sean Penn when he was a boy. And so the time that we see him as an adult, we've seen him say and do all these things when he was a boy. Yeah. But then when you pick it out and say, well, this is the Sean Penn bit, he's still just the product of all those things he's thought of and saw and experienced as a boy. And so, you know... Not taking anything away from the Sean Penn bit. No, no, no. But... They're brief, first Because you off. have to be reminded of over here's where you start and over here's where you end up. Like you said, accountability and uh, cause and effect and all that stuff. Um, Jessica Chastain plays Mrs. O'Brien, the mother. And she's fantastic. I don't... Just... The way he films her. It's, you know... I don't know. It's a combination of overly sexual and and overly motherly in the sort of dreamy motherly way a like bit how a young boy sees a mother I think I'm not talking about sexual but I'm talking about but there was dream. definitely overtones of that so yeah. I think you'd be naive to think that there wasn't some of that sort of to me because I'm not a boy and I don't have that with my mother thoughts of woman thing you know what I mean like at all like obviously she's my mother I'm a girl she's my mother but it was kind of obvious as well. So I guess you could take away what you want. But to me, looking at it was like, right. But then, as a boy, I guess that would be your mother's gentle and sweet and kisses you on the cheek. And there, But there were times when there was a lot of... <laughs> I yeah, don't know. I, don't... I know, so it's a different perspective, though, isn't it? 
Yeah, they wouldn't. The sweetness of... No, I didn't mean that. I meant his view. Malik's view. Is this sort of overly... Just like, I think most boys, like, their mother's on a pedestal. like, yeah. and, that, and that's how he was portraying her. Almost angelic and there's uh, some weird... Well, like you say, there's a weird scene where she's... Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a glow about her. She... Like, love. Like, she's... Yeah. I, I That's what I got from her. But yeah, he films her really well. She plays the role well. Yeah, and she reminded me of my mother. It was it was right. it was weird in some parts. I was it like, was. Um, Hunter McCracken plays young Jack, and there's three children: Hunter McCracken, Ty Sheridan, and Laramie Epler, and they play the three young boys. Um, one of them, we was convinced it Absolutely. was Brad Pitt's son. 100% convinced I was. Yeah, I was too. Actually, when you said it, and then I was looking at him, I was like, yeah, Absolutely. well, you didn't say which one. And then he, I was like, yeah, that's the one, because look at him, he looks like Brad Pitt. But he's not Brad Pitt's son. Not that we know of. <laughs> no, no, he's not. Um, but yeah, they play... All of them fantastic. And that boy, too, uh, had a more quiet impact on everything. And when he said, be quiet... Yeah. That, Oh my god, I was I did this, I was like, holy shit. But that showed that kid had the dad's number. Like, yep. didn't give a shit. And he wasn't going to be brooding about it, and he wasn't going to grow up all damaged. But the Jack character can't process it the same way. He doesn't have the art, and he doesn't have the music, and he doesn't have... He only has the anger. Yep. Like, so, I, I was, that was in, in, in that moment, it told the whole story of that boy's life to me. Quiet rebel. You know, you know it was also funny about that scene where it goes yeah. down. Oh, that was so intense. I didn't know that was coming, that scene. Yeah. Why would you? Well, I didn't. Uh, this is what I'm saying. I didn't know it was going to get to that point. But I felt it coming. Absolutely. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, like like almost like I was having a um, vision of what was about to happen. And it happened exactly like I thought it was going to happen. Almost like something that happened to me, almost. Oh. Huh? I mean, that kind of scenario. Maybe a lot of people have had that kind of scenario, you know. Yeah. Um, somebody going off, off the rails while you're uh, in a household situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. Um, so this is directed by Terrence Malick. He took a big long break from directing. That's what he's famous for. He makes awesome movies, but in these weird staggered time periods. Um, so you'll know him from... I know him from The Thin Red Line, which is really awesome war movie. Also starring Sean Penn. Um, you like The Thin Red Line? I think I've seen it, but I don't remember it. It's almost filmed like this movie. It's very floaty. Vietnam War. Yeah. Um... And Badlands from 1976. I have not seen it. I think I watched it on TV once, but I don't remember. And Days of Heaven is the famous one, which was from the 80s. Um, Richard Gere. So he's had three big movies, but he's had some other movies in between. But um, he's also doing a movie next year, apparently. So I'm not mega familiar with Terrence Malick, apart from The Thin Red Line. And I know a lot of people, film school and things like that, talk about him a lot and how he's one of the greatest American filmmakers... Um, I feel like I need to see more of his work now because this really... The Thin Red Line I was always impressed with. I always thought it was like a bit of a masterpiece. But this, you know, there's something to be said, isn't there? I need to go back and look at some of these others. Yeah. So, um, I mean, most people are probably going, why have you not seen Badlands? Why have you not seen Days of Heaven? But they're both on Criterion. Can't see everything. 
No. So, um, Blu-ray extras, uh, there's literally only one extra. But it's a very good extra. It's a 30-minute documentary uh, called... What's it called? Exploring the Tree of Life or something like that? It's called... Exploring the Tree of Life. <laughs> Do I win? Do I win? Um, and it's a 30-minute documentary. The only thing it's missing is Terence Malick. And it's literally completely missing him as though he's dead and everybody's talking about him. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm getting really tired. I've had a long week. Better wake up, you got a yeah. long time to go. Got, I got a long time to go. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. You do. I have a lot of stuff to listen to. Um, that's one, that's why, you know, I get hung up on certain things, I know, admittedly. And a director who is completely absent, and everyone talks about him as if he is precious and genius and... They don't say those words, but there's this, like, he is the artist, and he is separate from us, and he does it this way, and he does it that way. It's just really obnoxious to it me. It is a funny... I can't... I don't, I'm not saying you need to slap him all over everything. I get it. He might just be a private person, and he thinks, I do my movie, and that's it. Like I, do I think my that's film. what he does think. It's there's just no the way people... It's like, you know, he's not... I mean, they do have, like, David Fincher... And Christopher Nolan, who were the two directors talking in this documentary about him, how they've been influenced in their filmmaking by him. Um, Brad Pitt talks about him as though he's like the holy grail, some kind of honor with the director. You know, he's like the one. But I find that when that person then doesn't, and I'm not saying do interviews and stuff, but I don't know. It just but the only light-eyed one. Off the cuff thing, right at the very end, was Brad Pitt said one thing I did learn about Terence Malick from working with him was he's good at sport or he like throwing a baseball or whatever it was to put a ball in his hand. Like that was the only characteristic that humanized him in this entire thing because everything else it sounded like he was either a dead or b like a god. Super intense. Or c like this guy, like I said, putting somebody on a pedestal and everybody look up to me and I don't know if he No, no, I don't think he is. That's what I'm saying. I think they just think he's super talented. And he's different. Approaches are different. It's just that. And if filmmakers have been inspired by him over the years because he's made movies over a big career, a big long career, with only a few movies, but these movies stick out in directors' minds. You know, then maybe they are the people to talk about him. But yeah, I also find it odd when a director says Nothing doesn't appear. There's not even a picture of him. They have stills from the movie. Stills from process. the making the movie. We'd, I, I kept looking, going, "Where is Me he?" Me too. Where I is thought, "Is that him?" But I, I know what he looks like. Um, but yeah, he was not even in the shots. You saw his cameraman. You saw his sound guy. You never saw him. Was so was he even there? Do you reckon he could have been remotely directing? You know, directing from his office at home. Who Sending, knows? He said they sent. He sent a long hand, a typed out thing every day with what he his thoughts on the day. If you wanted a um, insight into Terence <laughs> Malick, this isn't it. Maybe the movie does have some insight in there. Yeah, but there was nothing in the extras. I guess as an artist, he might just be like, "Look, it speaks for itself." I think that's exactly what yeah. it is, and that's um, fair enough. But it still is a bit. Um, but I did feel the extra was a good extra. Um, because it did... Everybody spoke. who was in the movie spoke about being in the movie. And the guy who did the effects of yep. the universe and stuff. That was good. I, like, I mean, you didn't see much of it, but at least you kind of tapped into it. So that was yeah, because the effects that were used <laughs> to do the universe was the guy who did 2001 A Space Odyssey. 
And there was no actual anyone there to film the birth of the universe, and so they did have to recreate that. Uh, in this, in this awesome room, and it was like experimenting with chemicals like and fun stuff. Like fun shit, just, yeah. yeah, messing around. Um, and how that comes across on screen in high definition is it's kind of mind-blowing. It's like a kaleidoscope. I was like... Yeah. Um, like oil being dropped into water and like... But not. And, yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> awesome looking. And then and the, this, when the when the earth was about to... That yeah. was cool looking. Awesome sound, like explosion. You know, yes, there are some action pieces in here. And that is it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, in conclusion, this is not for everybody, let me say that. But, I think everybody can get something for it. You just have to give yourself to it. But if you're only going to watch it and get pissed off and be all pissy about it, then just don't watch it. <laughs> I was going to say know what you're getting into, but no, I don't like to say that because... But you did. Yeah, but you shouldn't, should you? Because I didn't know what it was. But we've already done it then. We've told them what they're in for. Yeah, I guess some people need to be told, don't they? Because they wouldn't get themselves into it. Because they're the people who turn it off 15 minutes in. Right? Because they're like, what the fuck? Nobody said anything. What? What's going on? What was happening now? Dinosaurs? Oh, I wasn't even going to mention that. Oh, oh shit. I wasn't even going to say that because I love not knowing that. But, well, too late. I can edit that out. Yeah, you're not going to. So, um, in conclusion, um, it's pretty mind-blowing to me. I agree. I mean, I don't know about mind-blowing, but... Uh, it's, I ain't seen anything like it. True. And it is very good. To you and I. <laughs> I don't know that everyone would think that, so... It's quality to me. It is to me, too. Some people would not get it. Some people would get it but think it was boring. It won the Palm d'Or at um, Cannes 2011, which is the best picture, basically, at Cannes. Um... I hope it is nominated for Oscars. It, can it be? I, yes, it can, can it? It's a 2011 movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do believe Brad Pitt's performance is um, right up there with Oscar performances of the past. Do you? There are, yeah, there are moments, definitely. It's not bulk. There's not, there's not quantity here of It doesn't have to be. Yeah. I mean, it could just be like, Brief yeah. moments, right? But which is well, also you could consider him a supporting character. That the Jack character, the boy, is the actual lead, and he's a supporting character. Or the Earth is yeah. the. I'm disturbed that you said that. They're all the supporting characters to the Earth. Mm, true. All right, so um, thanks to Fox for the Blu-ray. Uh, and if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com and enter a contest. Uh, next week's uh, Blu-ray review will be Pirates of the Caribbean 4. What is the subtitle to that one? don't know. I have to have a look. On Stranger Tides. All right. I keep thinking it's Dead Man's Chest, but that was two or three. Two. I don't remember. Yeah, so On Stranger Tides, Pirates of the Caribbean 4... It's not Pirates of the Caribbean 4, it's just Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. So that will be next week's Blu-ray review. Movie tagline fun. You're going to guess what you're going to do. Movie tagline fun is you say a tagline, or I do, and the other person has to guess what movie it is. And we win nothing. 
but it's a lot of fun. And if you want to play along, then you need to hit pause, even though he's already cracked over some information you shouldn't have about the movie. At least pause it and then you won't hear this, the, me answering the question, or me guessing the tagline immediately. Alright, so the uh, tagline is, everyone has one special thing. Right. Everyone has one special thing. Hmm. Have I seen it? Yes. Have I seen it with you? Yes. Is it in this decade? Uh, since I mean, has it been in since two thousand? Not this decade, but um, it's probably nineteen ninety nine. Everyone has one special thing. Yeah, might be nineteen ninety eight. Is it a superhero movie? No, kind of. No, it's no. Is no. it comedy? No. Shit. Do I love it? I don't really know how you feel about it. I love it. <laughs> 99. One special thing. I don't know. Boogie Nights. Oh, right. <laughs> of course. No, the course. special thing is. Yes. Um, it, the special thing is Marky Mark's penis. Um, yes, yeah, so everyone has one special thing. Fail. I failed. All right, so movie recommendations for this week. Me, I am going with 2001 A Space Odyssey for obvious reasons. Similar kind of mind-blowing experience, I believe. Right. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and it it also has a similar to the way the Tree of Life handles certain things in this... Stanley Kubrick's one of those in this slow, methodical, kind of abstract, almost Thinking person's way, I think, is how you would say it. Like, you're thinking about shit going on instead of having it just... And another movie on the, on the thinking, um, emotional slash thinking man slash woman's um, tip is Black Swan. Yes, I agree. Because I, that's another, like, not like Tree of Life, but abstract at what the same time. What you're seeing isn't always what... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and awesome. Mine are... The first one is Jerry, if you remember. Yep, get lost in the... Uh... Yep, uh, I don't want to say what it is, but I mean, it is... Sometimes the visual is... You, you're And the concept, you got to kind of really get your head around it or just let it happen, you know? And um, this Casey Affleck. And the other one is Stand By Me. Because I was trying to think of another male-centric. What it was like to be... What it's like to be a boy... And what what things are thrown at you and expected of you and the youthful mindlessness of being a boy, you know, and that's what they are, you know, they go on their little adventure and um, then, you know, you don't ever, you don't hardcore flash forward to who they become, but the the cause and effect yet again. On the Goonies. um, No, not really. Not at all. That was just a joke. And Revolutionary Road. I'll tag that on there. Right. Revolutionary Route is also thoughtful. It's about a couple and about life 1950s. and expectations and disappointments and all that kind of stuff. So, moving on to games and Ace Coley stuff, I have been playing this week uh, Forza Motorsport 4. Um, let me just say, it's another Forza game. If you have not finished 3, Forza Motorsport 3, 
you don't necessarily have to buy for. Unless you love Top Gear and listening to Jeremy Clarkson. So, cause, because there's not a lot of um, differences. I thought you loved it. It is awesome because I love 3. But it's not 100% necessary unless you really love Top Gear. Because Top Gear is in there a lot. Um, but the rest of it is pretty much the same game. There's five new tracks. That's it. That could have been an add-on back. Right? Plus the Top Gear stuff. Yeah, the Top Gear stuff is awesome. You There are certain cars in the game, and it's called Auto Vista Mode. And you can go into the showroom with the car, walk around the car in real time, get inside the car, turn the key of the car, look at everything in the car. And there are points in the car that when you look at them, Jeremy Clarkson talks about them. Now, he doesn't dryly say, this is the wheel, it is 19 inches wide. He gives it the full Top Gear funny... Right. When he's doing a... If you've watched Top Gear and you see Clarkson doing a car review and he's sat in the car driving it around the track and talking about the car, how it sounds like a jumbo jet and all that kind of stuff, he gives it that colour commentary. So it's not just like this dry, boring stats and stuff. It's full-on Jeremy Clarkson. And literally there's... I think there's 50 cars that you can listen to Clarkson talk about. And the models that they use for those cars are like 50 times more detailed than the ones you play in the game. So it's like really looking at a real car. You can open the doors, you can use the gear shifter, you can turn the key, you can look at... It's, you know, I've heard it explained as car porn, that particular um, mode. So yeah, Forza Motorsport 4, I recommend it. I mean, they have improved some stuff. There are some new tracks, five. There are different cars. Um, but I played three last week because I was looking forward to 4 and I put 3 in so I'm very familiar with 3 because I played all night on it and visually and handling wise and all that it's pretty much the same so and you can probably pick up a copy of 3 for 5 bucks right. you know what I'm saying and this one's 50 or 60 um, the other game we've been playing this week is Dead Rising 2 Off The Record um, now what I was led to believe and this is Capcom at their finest. They like to repackage games and sell them to you again. They've been doing this with Street Fighter. I think there's five versions of Street Fighter and they all differ very little. They add a couple of new characters and then sell it you again for $50. So, what I was led to believe was Dead Rising 2 off the record was this new version of Dead Rising 2 with tons of new content. What it actually is, I would like to warn the uh, listeners, is it's Dead Rising 2 again Exactly the same story, but you have this main character who's different to Dead Rising 2. He's the character from Dead Rising 1. So it's the same story with a different character model and a new area, which is a fun fair that isn't doesn't appear in the Dead Rising 2. Carnival. Yeah, like a... Two Americans. Yeah, carnival. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are some new bosses, but I would say... 95% of the content, if you've played Dead Rising 2, is exactly the same. Right. So it's literally 5% of new stuff. rest of it you'll have seen before. Now, I think that's kind of inexcusable, like, because... Well, they took out the whole kid thing and all that, though. That's different. They did. But, in fact, interestingly enough, 
as you see right at the very beginning, that kid is dead on the floor. So, Sorry. yeah, they show her dead, and there's a backpack and stuff. But um, yes, they took out some of the story to fit with this new guy's story, but it's literally the same story. Even some of the cutscenes, most of the cutscenes are exactly the same. It's just they're talking to him rather than the other guy. So they change the voice, so he says his name. Yeah. But um, I played Dead Rising 2 a lot. I mean, I'm talking like three times through it. So I kind of know it like the back of my hand, so this was nothing new. It was like, okay, they've added this new mechanic. It's, it's actually not a new mechanic. It's the mechanic from the first Dead Rising where you can take photographs. That's fun, but it could have been an expansion pack. I mean, it could have literally been a $5 download that added this new content to the Dead Rising 2 game. I'm not really fond of this Capcom shit that they've been doing. Because they released Street Fighter. Awesome. Then they released, like, Super Street Fighter. And then they released, like, Street Fighter Championship Edition. And the differences were, like, there's two new characters in this one, there's three new characters in that one. Why do I have to buy the game three times? Why can't you just add the characters? through downloadable content I'll pay a couple of dollars for each character if that's what you want but I don't want to pay a hundred dollars for two new versions of the game seems to be a theme so that's the game well here's the thing you keep buying them or so do other people so that's the games for this week Um, never mind though (laughs) next week's um, games will be um, Batman Arkham City which is one of the biggest releases of the year I would imagine Um, so we'll be playing that this week Um, I wanted to give a mention to I was, uh, I've got a um, tablet, HP Touchpad, and the screen gets really dirty. If you've got an iPad or an iPhone, you will know that from touching touchscreens, after a day or so, it looks disgusting. There's fingerprints all over the screen. As you know, you don't want people touching your monitor. So a touchscreen, you can't help it because you have to touch it to control it, right? So then after a day or so, it's full of smudges. Your cell phone is probably full of smudges. It's not a touchscreen. No. But it's probably still I full of smudges, is. right? Yeah, you zoom. You zoom. Um, so, I was... But I... I don't really care. But I don't look at it as much well, as you look at that. You do, if, you, if you've got a screen that you're looking at all the time yeah. in your hand and it's full of smudges, and it, when you're looking at your email, there's all smudges over the email. It kind of looks gross, so... How dirty are you? <laughs> your hands are greasy, no matter what you think. Yeah. As soon as you touch a piece of glass, it leaves a fingerprint. Yeah. There's no getting by it, unless you wear gloves all the time, <laughs> latex gloves. Anyway, um, a company contacted me over Twitter, and they called MobileCloth.com. MobileCloth.com. Um, and they make this special cloth for cleaning iPhones, iPads, cell phones. I even cleaned my 3DS with it, and it works just fine. What it is, it's like a microfiber cloth, but it's not your standard microfiber cloth. I'm going to um, demonstrate it. You're not going to be able to see it. But, um, you feel this and uh, give me the... uh, It's kind of... Mushy. Yeah, and if you look at it closely, it's like lots of beads like on it. Like, you see, like... um, I can't see it without my glasses. It's like... They they say... It feels like terry cloth. On a microscopic level... They're like little suction cups that pick grease up. I'm thinking that's just bullshit. There's no suction cups. Well, I there. saw the uh, microscope. I'm, I'm not being just. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I can't imagine it. So it might be like we think it acts like little and suction it does. cups. Funnily enough, it feels like terry cloth, but only it feels kind of um, silky and terry clothy mixed together. Yeah, it's 
It's... It, so I'll tell silk, you now, you don't need to wet it. If your silk sheets and your towel had a baby, that's what it would feel like. Yeah, you don't need to wet this cloth. You just wipe it over the screen and everything comes off. Like two or three swipes and it's all off. Now, what I've been using before that was glasses cloths. And what I find with glasses cloths is they're nice and soft and they do wipe... You have to wipe a lot more because they're kind of smooth rather than this textured finish. Probably have to wipe like five times as much. And what these leave behind is a big pile of dust... Because mm, yeah. they seem to suck dust up, so they leave dust all over the screen. So, um, this is perfect. I've been wiping the screen with it on and off, uh, and I think I might buy some of them. They're very cheap um, for a specialised cloth. You can wash them as well, it says on here. For years of use, wash it in warm water with mild detergent. Dry it on a low setting, do not dry it with a cotton item. And I think that's just because lint would be all over it. Yeah. Go. Um, but they're really cheap, and I really recommend it. I was looking for a good cloth for wiping that pad down. Um, and when, when I say really cheap, one cloth is three bucks. Um, and if you, the more you buy, the cheaper they are. So, like, if you buy a pack of six, it's nine ninety nine. Um, That'd be good. Yeah, I think it's a good uh, like Christmas present for people. Who've What's got it called again? Mobilecloth.com. <laughs> Mr. But, commercial. <laughs> but if you're um. I know I, a lot of people have an iPhone and they probably do want to wipe it down with the t-shirt or whatever. Um, good stocking stuffer for Christmas. Oh, that's good. Six yeah, for sure. ten bucks. And they only charge a dollar for shipping. Um, so, yeah, I recommend it. And I know a lot of people out there probably are thinking, wow, yeah, my iPad looks like shit. I could do one of those. So I'm not getting paid by them or anything. <laughs> it's just something that I got and I actually like. So, um, And finally, I had an email this week. John from Edinburgh, that's in Scotland, asks, Hey, A. Scully and Sid Talk, what music do you like? You never talk about music on the show. All right. So, Sid Talk, what music do you like? <laughs> I can't even describe it. You know what? My latest thing that I got is um, the Side Hey or Side Hey Drumming Troop. It's like I went to Renaissance Festival. They're a drumming, fire dancing troupe, and I bought their CD. I've heard it. It's drums, you know. yeah, like tribal drums. I love that. Yes, and then I love U2, and I love ACDC and Queen. Those are my top three bands of all time. And then, of course, I like I like Adele. But then I like um, '80s music because I'm a sucker for my youth, and. I do like Oasis. You introduced me to that. I love house music stuff that you also introduced me. I love Moby. Like anything mixed in there that's just um, atmospheric. Um, I like classical music a lot. I don't know anything about it, but I love turning on our local classical music station. Just let it play. Sometimes at work if I can get it to come in online. I like almost everything except this would be better. I don't like country music. Not even a little bit. I was raised on the classics. Quote unquote, you know. Our D I V O R C does hate all that shit. Maybe for emotional reasons. And I'm not a huge fan of rap or R and B at all. None of the like groovy tunes that you're supposed to like, you know. I just don't like boys to men and shit. Yeah, none of that. Boys Club. But I don't mind um I don't know, I dabble in the radio, but I listen to classic rock and roll all the time, so... I don't like rap either. I will say what I don't like. I hate, (laughs) and I mean hate, 
country music. <laughs> Hate it. I would. I don't want to listen to any of it ever. I don't like any of it. In fact, you won't even watch movies that have a country music theme. No. In fact, I was, yeah, I, I did a survey the other day which was asking me about a new TV show about country music and I was like, nope, don't want to watch that one. <laughs> In fact, it was a cross between The Sopranos country and music. country music. And I was like, if you remove the country music, I'd watch it. So, anyway, I hate country music. I also do not like rap apart from... I do like the Beastie Boys. Mm. Um... I think of that as 80s music. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm talking about 90s Beastie Boys yeah, yeah. also. Um, but I don't like rap, like Jay-Z or any of that. I just don't like it. I just, I can't get with it. I'm too old. Can't get with it. Can't get with it. Can't get with it. Um, but what I do like, um, uh, I tend to like bands from Manchester in the 80s and 90s. You also don't like classic American rock and roll. Uh, occasionally. Some mm. of it. Anyway, my favourite bands are... Uh, Oasis, who have actually split up now, but they're two separate bands now. Um, one band's called BDI, and that is Liam's band. And the other band's called High Flying Birds, and that's Noel's band. I like both. I'm listening to both those albums at the moment. I've got to say, Noel's album is the winner for me. I like Noel's album better. Um, so I like that. I mean, they'll always be brothers, but they're no longer together musically. No. <laughs> no. I like Happy Mondays. Oh, I like yeah, I love the Charlatans. I like um, the Smiths. I love the Smiths. The Smiths are probably one one of my favorite bands. I like Queen. So there's a rock and roll band that I like. I like Kiss. There's a rock and roll <laughs> band I like. Um, Do you like ACDC? No. I'm telling really. you now. You crank up and I listen to ACDC all the time on my Zoom all night at work, and I, I just I can't get enough. Can't get enough. I like. I do like some... I love Lily Allen. Yeah, you do. I'm so disappointed she's not making any more music because I've listened to those albums lots. I like a second album, but I listen to a second album all the time. Um, I like uh, Adele's album, which is recent. I kind of like a bit of everything apart from what I just said I don't like. So I hope that answers your question. (laughs) Thank you for your question. John from Edinburgh in Scotland. Anybody else have a question? Um, So Sid Talk, what's for dinner? not quite as intriguing as what kind of music we like and it isn't musical but we're for dinner but yesterday i'll wrap i'll add it in with what i did yesterday went out with my friends over the weekend and we went to a restaurant and i had a wrap tortilla filled with vegetables salad and feta cheese and black olives and it was and hummus and it was delicious i only ate half because it was really big and i got a huge order of onion rings so i left it i put it in the fridge here and later in the night, you messaged me or something and said, "Oh yeah, I ate your leftover wrap." Well, I was, I was like, I decided to recreate it tonight. For dinner. I was like, it's dinner time, <laughs> and then I opened the fridge and saw this leftover box. I was like, hmm. I opened it. I was like, oh, there's my dinner. I'll eat that. It was there was good. only one onion ring, though. It was a bit. Yeah. So that's what we're having for dinner tonight. Kind of a throwback. I feel like something kind of fresh and. It was really tasty. Yes, and uh, my thing. I'm not really going to go into it, but I went in went with. Two of my friends drove down. It's like a three-hour drive from where we're originally from in this state. And my other friend here lives in town. And we got together and just spent the weekend having a fantastic time. They are... There's nothing like... There is nothing like it. I love you dearly. I love my family dearly. Most of them. But there is nothing like friends that you've had. For me, it's been... Well, one of my friends I've had my entire life. Because she's also my cousin. 
my other friends since I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, and then my other one since I was 17. And we don't get together that often, but there's just nothing like it. I, I can't, there's no other relationships I have that give me that level of, I'll be honest, like satisfaction and happiness in the moment and a relaxed feeling that you just can't, I there's laughter and talking about, we can go from talking about our marriage and relationships to discussing someone that one of us might know who's got cancer and how serious it is and how heavy duty life can be. And then the next minute we're talking about how our bras aren't perking up our boobs enough. I mean, and it all just flows. There's no like That's exactly break what it. I talk to my friends about. <laughs> There's no break in it. And it's, and it's constant and it's fantastic. And I had to, that's, you know... That was my weekend. It was fantastic. And um, that's the meaning of life, really. Meaning of life is actually this movie that we reviewed. Yeah. It try- it's a movie that tries to tackle everything, <laughs> yet one specific thing at the same time. And that may be life. It's everything and nothing at the same time. It's, it's very well described by this lady in this movie. Then again, Fast Five could be the meaning of life. Beat the crap out of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Be the rock. Kill all the bad guys and drive cars really fast. All Pirates of the Caribbean next week could be the meaning of that. <laughs> good, good impression. Anyway, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our websites, aschoolie.com and sidtalk.com. Um, you can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. If You can catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the iTunes Music Store, or just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, subscribe, Whatever you want to do. Listen on the page if you like. Um, you can email feedback to me at ascully at ascully.com. Or don't ever listen again. <laughs> don't email Sid Talk. Um, you can email me if you have a good question like John from Edinburgh had. Correct. Or, no, that's it really. Uh, but then again, he might have emailed me and it got stuck in my <laughs> spam filter. <laughs> it's uh, possible. So, um, stay classy, Mr. Terrence Malick. I'm Mr. Brad Pitt. I'm Mr. Sean Penn. I'm that lady, whatever she's called. Jessica Chastain. Where was she from? Six feet under? I don't know. She's from something. I've seen her in something else. Anyway, yeah. And I'm going to say, think for yourself. Think for yourself. Because if you don't do it, someone will come along and do it for you.